This is Adam Francis, and you're listening to the Equipped Indoor Podcast on the E2E Radio Network. Stand by for a great show. All right, guys, welcome to another great episode of the E2E Podcast, episode 402. That's season four, episode two, just so you guys aren't confused. Because somebody's going to be like, dude, where's episode 357 through 400? And those don't exist, because that's how we're counting. I don't know why I felt that necessary to talk about, Robbie. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm wondering why we felt it necessary to count that way. Mm. I don't know. That's just what, I don't know. I just, I just made a decision, and I was going to stick with that. I'm so doing good, <laughs> Adam, but we, we, uh, we're, we're typical bun weather here in North Carolina. It's, it's rained for two days. Nice. Last nice. week it was cold enough to start a new ice age here and no precipitation. This yeah. week we could have uh, you know, snow and all that, but no, no. We're actually doing better. We were down to like three degrees last week, or this weekend, I should say. Um, what's the day? Today is Tuesday. We're recording on Tuesday. So, yeah, this weekend, I, I worked all weekend. It was a stupid cold. We got a little ice storm. Um, but now it's uh, getting a little bit warmer. I think it's up to 34 degrees today. So, yay. It's nice. Dan, Mr. Eastland, mm-hmm. how are you doing? It's cold. <laughs> I want to go home. I think we should preface this the, this podcast with the, uh, the fact that today I, I – you know, I gathered the team together to start the, the episode a little bit early in the morning. It's like, you know, it's not even 9 a.m. yet, or it just was 9 a.m., uh, because we're going out and shooting some videos today. And uh, Robbie's comment before the podcast started is like, we can't be doing this early crap anymore. Everybody's grumpy. So Robbie was the only chipper one. What's I'm, up with that, I'm, Robbie? I'm, happy. I'm here with Bill's on. Wait, yeah. you, you gathered the team together? When, when did you become the leader? Huh? Oh, you, know, you know you like me to lead there, girl. <laughs> oh, that's true. When he picked up the magic sword and held it aloft <laughs> above his head, <laughs> his mighty sword or his magical sword. What is it? It's something super. It's super strange. Um, man, whatever. I can't remember. Yeah, and we're talking spoon about the. We're talking will be about my battle cry. Spoon. What is that one from? Uh, the tick. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, today's podcast is uh, brought to you by. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and knock that out, Robbie? <laughs> yeah. The Equipped Indoor broadca- Podcast is brought to you by Dogwood Custom Knives. Uh, dealers are USA-made blade, Edgeworks, and Arizona Custom Knives. Uh, old world craftsmanship with modern... Uh... New world character? <laughs> no, what is the logo, Dan? I, I think it has something to do with quality. Like old world craftsmanship and new world quality. New yeah. world quality. Every time which, I say that, Dan's going to check his business card to make sure that's right. Which, uh, I'm about to go on the website, and whatever it is, I'm changing it to that. Actually, uh, you know what? The more I think about it, maybe it should be old world quality instead of new world quality. Because um, you really do put the time into, you know, you put more time. <laughs> Back when people had time to do things right, that's how you do things. Thank you. Uh-huh. I had to. I had a buddy over. He wanted to make a knife, and we were working on it. And After about four or five hours, he looked at me and said, now I get why they're so expensive. This takes forever. <laughs> it, took me, it took me two days to make one at your place, and it took you three days to fix what I broke. <laughs> I just cleaned it up. Yeah. I, I, rem- I remember that, you know, very that, – that's, that's a warming feeling. I remember that coming over and, and – uh, 
Robbie was like, "Hey, I was playing with Mickey Knives the whole time," and then his head looked down. But I messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> it was like such a such a sweet, sweet, uh, dramatic, you know, high low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was something out of a movie. Oh, fortunately, I have a blade stretcher, so we got it all fixed. <laughs> the Equipped to Endure podcast is also brought to you by Live Fire Gear LLC. That's www.livefiregearllc.com. Uh, distributors for all of your fire needs from the uh, new five, Fire Court. How's that going, Adam? It's going very well, very well. We've got everything in stock right now. Uh, also, if you guys are dealers or distributors looking to pick up 5D Fire Court, uh, check out um, Blue, um, Blue Ridge Knives. Blue Ridge Knives is carrying it. Also, uh, keep an eye out on Amazon. We have a new Amazon distributor. And um, this, guys, you can't. Let me ask you guys a question. While, while we're talking about that, we had a we had a question about from one of the from one of the dealers and distributors, and they were like, "Well, hey, why do you guys sell?" 100 foot hanks and and why don't you just sell 25 foot hanks and my response was is, well you got people who who buy the 25 foot hanks to make like their their bracelets and their zipper pulls and all that other good stuff but then you you guys have other individuals who want to replace their actual cordage cordage with fire cord is, is am i the only one that that makes sense to or does that make sense to you guys as well did i lose um, everybody oh there you guys go to um, be honest yes. adam mm -hmm. I, mean, I, ne I never buy, I never ever buy a short hank of paracord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Always buy the longer ones because even if you're going to cut it for your kit, different people have different. You know, if I'm using a six foot tarp and you're using a ten foot tarp, yeah, we're probably going to need two different standard lengths for our kit. And I think the the hanks of cordage you keep in your kit are probably going to be individualized to what you need. Mm -hmm. Standard size is never right for me for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I, I I don't need a because you're not standard, piece. Robbie. I need like a 15 or a a 35 or you know what I mean. Yeah. And I'll need I generally need that length every time I go out, but it's some oddball, you know, amount. So I always buy the longer one and then cut it to what size I want it. Yeah, yeah. Dan, do you, do you concur? Well, I. I get the bigger sections just because I know eventually I'm going to use it all up. Yeah. Um, and to Robbie's point, I too seem to always have eyeball lengths. So yeah, I'll, I'll buy uh like 550 cord. I just buy a spool I and mean, it'll take me years to go through it, but then it's there and I get the size I want. Yeah. Well, it's just funny, you know, when we were deciding what lengths to cut the, the cord at uh, for the Kickstarter, we did 25, 50, 75 100 and 200 so we did a little bit of everything and you know later we found the error in our ways in doing that because like the 75 one wasn't popular at all i don't know we don't know why but the 50 and the 100 were, were still pretty popular but the 25 just you know it just made sense because a lot of people were buying it to to make something with the 550 cord you know that but, makes sense i've i've bought 50 50s before yeah um See, I I never buy 50. I always buy the 100, but I do I do pack my cord into 25 foot hanks, you know, before I uh, before I go out and you know do my thing. But I also keep 100 foot hanks. You know what I mean? So I I actually it's either 100 foot feet or 50 feet. Now, I will also say that there are times that you know, like Dan said, you end up cutting it for whatever reason, 
uh, and it gets smaller. Um, that does happen as well. But so no, it does not get it doesn't get longer when you cut it. That that is true. That is true. No matter how many times you cut it, those magicians lie. All my so. trees are twenty seven feet apart. <laughs> twenty five foot more. Yeah, that happens too. I actually did. Uh, it was a while ago. I don't know if I still have the video. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's lo it lost in the YouTube archives. But I did a couple experiments, like for if you were injured and you just wanted to wrap the uh, the five fifty quarter around a tree without tying a knot, like if your hands one of your hands was injured, and you can do that because five fifty cord has enough you know grip that if you wrap it around a tree about eight times, it'll lock on itself and you'll be able to take a good amount of weight. And I think that magic number was like thirty six feet for me and uh that was just interesting so I, I still keep i still keep you know 200 foot lengths are you speaking in respect to holding your weight up i'm like to hold a tarp up oh okay yeah yeah but i mean it probably hold your weight up too i mean it lock it locks in pretty good man interesting Believe it or not it's, i'll have to play with that it's a fun little trick give it give it a whirl I'll, so. I'll be calling you guys with a broken hip well apparently 28 feet is not the right number <laughs> to hold my weight. Well, it depends on the circumference of the tree as well. I mean, if you have, and also just it depends on like the texture of the tree because of course the more friction it's going to have, that you know it's going to hold it up. But yeah, it holds up pretty. You wrap it around there eight times, and the friction of that will hold it pretty well. On the yeah, other and side, and if it takes that, eight wraps for uh, Adam, it should only take four wraps for Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> on the other side of that coin, I found the one rock in my yard when I uh, fell on it. Oh, is that right? No, I'm saying that's. Oh. I, I can see that being your. I can see that being your, uh, your conversation. Yeah, I broke my other hand. <laughs> what do you have that, videos? That's right. Uh, well, I got some videos coming up. We're going out and doing some tests. Uh, they're not up yet, but they'll be up by the time this podcast comes out. We're doing some tests with some new Van VanQuest gear. I got the Ibex 30. You guys will see a video about that. Also, very cool little Molly sticks. And uh, Robbie, I know you're not big into Molly gear. Um, but, you know, I've been using it for a number of years, and, and there's some really good things about it that I really enjoy. Um, but I do hate going in and out and not being able to remove stuff. So there's some um, new molly sticks that you actually just, you know, push the molly together, and it slides right down. It's a little bit faster than some of those straps. Uh, very cool. Has They have a little kind of locking mechanism. It's kind of a pressure hinge type deal that locks it into place. So quick, uh, you know, in installation of any molly pack, and you can remove it really quick. Just by reaching back there, grabbing the strip, and pulling it out. And it's a little bit better than some of the other, I think, oh, Molly Solutions, some of the uh, nylon tabs, everything. That I just don't, I think are too floppy. I don't really like the way they uh, hook on there. It's, and also a, a hook and ladder type Velcro panel system. So if you want to move, you know, a lot of these bags have the kind of female Velcro part on the inside. So this is a system where you can kind of place this pa Molly panel anywhere you want inside a bag or anything like that to... Now, see, inside the bag, I don't, I guess I don't mind as much. Yeah. But I have a a thing that goes through my head every time I see a bag with Molly all over the outside. Uh-huh. The first thought that goes through my head is, look, the manufacturer knew they didn't make that bag big enough to put in it what you need. Because <laughs> you're going to have to put it on the outside. And they knew that when they made the bag. Uh, that's a valid point. I mean, you know... I think it's like it's too much of a good thing. I you know, so too much of a good thing with the Molly is, I I, I it's a trap for me. 
for for manufacturers. It's like, oh, we'll add some of this, and, and it has a certain look, and that look is associated with a certain function. Even though now I think that that function is not there. Like it's one yeah. thing to add like a little pouch with Molly, and that's what it was made for. But now you slap Molly on everything. You're never going to use all the Molly. And most of the stuff now is in a position where it's kind of stupid to, to use it there anyway. So I oh, think it's just oh, it's just overdone the whole the, the whole Molly with thing. The little pouches and crap on on their bag. Yeah. They've never tried to go through a briar thicket with it. I was about to say, I've, uh, after doing uh, some time in the jungle, yeah, I'm, I'm done with Molly. Yeah, don't you? Uh, why don't you get specific about that, Dan? Well, uh, moving up, uh, well, living in North Georgia and moving up here, I could always avoid thick cover. But to yeah. Robbie's point, go through a briar patch with Molly gear, mm-hmm. go through the jungle or go through thick underbrush. Yeah. And you're going to get hung up and tripped, and you're going to be shaking trees 10 feet up in the air. It'll take you forever. Where well, how, 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 just to play a devil's advocate, how uh, frequent are you planning on going to the jungle, Dan? Uh, I'm going again next year. Okay. And I do, especially as I, when I move back down south, I will be t- spending time in more heavy uh, underbrush. It's, it's kind of like pulling a garden hose through your yard. Mm-hmm. No matter how beautiful your yard is, how free of anything to hang up, you're always going to find <laughs> a kink in your garden hose, and it's going to get hung up on something. A trailer hitch from your lawnmower, a root that's sticking up, it's always going to get hung up on something. Yeah, and That's walking through thick cover, well, especially where there's small vines and things. They wrap themselves around whatever on your pack. Yeah. And I was I was playing devil's advocate in my head. You know, why is the military using it so much? And I was thinking, when I was in, we still had the Alice packs. Yeah. And your web gear was bad about getting hung up. You just learned to deal with that. But the Alice pack was relatively smooth other than the frame. Yeah. And then I started thinking, you know, most of the conflicts in the last, what, 10, 15 years have either been urban or in sparsely vegetated areas. Yep. There's, there's no there's no vines in the sandbox. Yeah, yep. so Molly works well in that environment. I don't and because it worked well in the military, I've been using some. Mm-hmm. And I am getting a little frustrated with that it's ju- it's not practical. Let me rephrase that. In my s- civilian experience, it's not as practical. I wonder if it'll change if the, the next theater war uh, it may, um, yeah, we're always, we're always fighting the last war. Yeah, that's the truth. All right. So I don't know. Um, but, uh, anyway, this, this thing that I'm looking at, this van quest thing is, uh, is pretty cool. So, uh, also we've got, uh, some more leather pouches that I want to do a final review on how I pack it out for, a. Reliance Leatherwork Hawk Nest. So pretty eager about that. Hey, Robbie, have you got your hands on one of those yet? Sure did. What do you think? It's a, it's a wonderful, well-built uh, uh, pouch, and it's actually really great for doing like a, a personal survival kit built uh-huh. built pouch. Yep. Uh, that's that's how I built mine out anyway. I'm a it's 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 a beautiful piece, man. And uh, Dan, you're still getting some some leather stuff from Matthew over there at Reliance Leatherwork, correct? I am getting a whole bunch of leather stuff from Matt, and um, I actually bought for Christmas. I bought two hawks nests and had them tooled with my 
my dad and my brother's initials. Oh, awesome. And uh, they're big bird hunters, and they use them for shell patches because... Uh, they're a perfect they, size for that, aren't they? Yeah, they can fold, they can take a box of shotgun shells and fold the lid back, and it just drops right into that pouch. Mm-hmm. And they use one for fulls and one's, one for empties when they're out bird hunting. Oh, awesome. That is very awesome. I didn't even think about that. So, some good stuff. And also, uh, there might be, uh, I don't know, we have some other videos, pl- ideas planned. I know one thing we're going to talk about is a uh, winter kit for your vehicle. I have a lot of guys wanting a vehicle update. And so, Robbie, I think I'm just going to leave the, well, I'm going I'm to keep the crap I usually have in my vehicle. Not that it's crap, but I kind of want to do, this is real, like, you know, vehicle check. I'm not going to preload it with anything cool and just show what I really have in my vehicle. I think a lot of people kind of set up, uh, <laughs> you know, the super cool stuff for their car. Um, and I'm just going to keep it real. So, oh, yeah, there's a half uh, half drinking case of water in here and everything else I have. Um, I think, hey, Robbie, I think we should put some sand in uh, Adam's oil and invite him to come down and visit you. Yeah. <laughs> and do a little real-world scenario. Look, we'll be there to pick you up in about 12 hours. In the meantime, <laughs> see if you can get some video shots. <laughs> well, it's funny. The other day, we, I was driving home from work, and it was icing out, like, real bad. And I was thinking, like, I wonder if I should bring my camera with me um, before I left to work, just in case I get stuck on the side of the road and I'm going to do a video. I'm, like, waiting for that opportunity. Hey guys, uh, you know, I got stuck on the side of the road and it's ice storm, so we're going to show you how I survive in this situation for the night until, uh, you know, I can get some help out here or, and whatnot. Well, that's so. dedicated. It is de- dedicated. See, I would have thought things like, uh, you know, I w- should probably make sure that I got some sand with me or some snow melt, but you went right to the camera. Oh, hell, hell yeah, man. Oh, I got I got snow melt in my car. If it, if it didn't, ha- if if it's not recorded, it didn't happen. This is true. Was well, that... well, no, no, no. I'm just use that opportunity. I got enough stuff in my car to be good for a damn weekend. Well, damn, I got enough stuff in my car That's to be good for a damn week. That's true. I when we drove down to Robbie's last time, uh, I didn't even bother to bring anything. Yeah. I figure absolutely worst case scenario, I'd be very comfortable on the side of the road with what you had in your car. Yeah, you know, never know what happens. We had a family vacation here recently. I had to make sure I had all my my emergency gear just in case. So my wife uh, doesn't like that because it makes packing up all the kids' stuff a little bit more difficult. But I made room. I made room. Is that all the E2E videos coming up, Adam? Uh, that's all we have. Oh, we also we're doing something new, Robbie. What did you think of the kind of the update video? Um, that- some of them I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Some of mine enjoyed more than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it really depended on the piece of gear, which, you know, I'm sure that's how it is for everyone. You know, yeah. If 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 a piece of gear matters to you more, then an update video on it obviously will matter to you more. But some of them I really enjoyed. Um, it, it's it's great because we're always talking about whatever the you know newest thing is and and all. Mm-hmm. But we forget sometimes some things that uh were talked about several years ago are still mm-hmm. very relevant and probably more important because if it's not new and you're still using it, that's something to think about. That means it's, it's served you well. Yeah. I, uh, th- go ahead, Dan. I was going to say along those lines, I was talking to somebody last night that referenced that, uh, improving and building a pack video we did. Mm-hmm. 
that reminded me that it's been about a year and I've I've had a chance to update some equipment and probably should do a follow up on that one too. Yeah, that'd be great, man. That'd definitely be good. Um, you know, uh, there is there. I've had a couple requests for different knives, and I kind of want to talk about a knife because I think it's going to be. I think people are going to upset about this because they're so locked into this brand. But I just got to be honest, and um, you know, oh, I hang just, on. Do we need to talk about this off air? Mm, no, I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind okay. giving my opinion about this. Um, just checking. Yeah, Dan's Dan's worried. Look at that. Look at that, Robbie. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, well, like uh, one is is the SE4. A lot of oh, people yeah. love that knife, and you know, guys. Why the crap's that thing got a choil on it? Well, I I just come to the point with it, and I love I love the the SE guys. Don't get me wrong. You know, Mike and Jeff are good. They're good people. They're good dudes. You know, funny as heck. And but, those Rowan blades are so well heat treated. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, the, the the finish and the quality is just is awesome. Don't get me wrong with that. I just don't like that knife. I don't like the design of that knife. I don't like the finger choil. I don't like the handle. And you know what? No matter how how much I try to like it, because I'm like, oh, there's a good knife in here, and everybody rants and raves about them. But you know, I've had one, and I just uh, I don't like this, and I got rid of it, and I and I and I got Robbie one, and he didn't like it, and he got rid of it, and every time one, somebody has one that I attempt to use, I just can't I can't get behind it. It just doesn't meet my needs. Um, and I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why it's so popular. I don't know why it's so popular. Uh, I don't know if it's just the, kind of the hype, but there's a lot of design features in it that I just I think are wasted on that size of blade. Um, yeah. So I, I'm going to be getting one of those and doing a, a follow-up review on that one. Um, and I think some people are going to be upset about that, but that's just you know that's just the truth of it. Not everything is a as a home run. Again, you know it, it's nothing against the SE guys, nothing personal. That knife is just not is not for me. And I get comment after comment, request after request, question after question about that knife. And I tell people, it's just not my cup of tea, you know. So that'll be coming out here soon enough as soon as I get one again and not talking bad about it. But, yeah, that, that big, the biggest issue on that is why, did that, why does that knife have a choil? There's no, there's no need to move the center of balance for that knife to do anything with a knife. That's, it's a four-inch knife. And the, the flat-sided scales on a knife that is definitely never intended for chopping. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it. <laughs> well, so. for the record, I don't have one you can borrow. Yeah, you got rid of yours, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't have one of those anymore. So, Dan, well, hey. Dan, what do you think about that knife? I agree with the uh, with the problem with the choil. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of reasons. I can understand a lot of reasons to do it. Uh, most of them are marketing. Oh yeah, that's the only reason to do it. Um, but I agree on a knife that size, it's it's redundant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, is there is there any other reason to do a choil for a knife that size besides besides the aesthetics? Um, I mean, you can make a bunch of them up. But I, you know, we're but we're we're about the from, truth here on the E2E podcast, Dan. So yeah, you from know, my standpoint, from my standpoint, there is not. I don't see a good reason to do a finger choil on a knife that size, other than marketing. Yeah. Um, the other side of that is, you know, they're not doing it for a, uh, you know, they're not doing it as a charity. They got to make money. So on one hand, I hate to see them doing it. On the other hand, you know, look, guys, knife makers or especially the larger companies are going to make what you're buying. 
Mm-hmm. So yes, be upset if they're not making the best possible knife. But remember, you're also the ones out there buying it. Oh, okay. does, is that going to blow up, Robbie? No, no. I mean, I, there are other knives in the same category yeah. that have sold well. That I, I, I think, from a marketing standpoint, they could have not put the choil on it. You know, the fifth, fourteen, what is it, fourteen, fifteen, or fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen Beckers, the tweeners. Mm-hmm. Are roughly the same size, no choil, uh, great handle ergonomics. If K Bar had gotten together with, you know, they they got together with Essie on the Escobar. Mm-hmm. If they had gotten together on that four-inch knife and used the the uh, K Bar handle, the Rowan manufacturing uh, steel quality and grind. And then left out the choil, they would have blown the market up. Yep. Yeah. You know, I'm from a marketing standpoint. There's you know K bar with the tweener is already doing a knife that is similar in size and shape, but doesn't have those problems. But I don't think I really and and people may throw me under the bus for this. I, I think Essie offers a better quality blade. Uh, I think they offer a better edge geometry and, and grind shape. Uh, but th- they lost it on the ability to to put it to any work, and I think from a marketing standpoint, it would have sold better, and would still be selling. I would be talking about it every day. I like the blade shape. There's a lot I like about the knife. Me I being mean, me, are you talking I about like you like see- you like the drop point, or I mean, well, the drop point, the curvature of the belly. There's a lot going on from the geometry of the blade that I like. I, I think the knife's too thick. I think the knife is too thick for a knife that size. I don't... I don't. I li- you you know? didn't let me finish. As I started to say, me being me, it's about <laughs> twice as thick as I'd like to see. Okay. You know, that that should be, a, in my opinion, that should be about a 3 16th, uh, correction, a 3 32nd inch blade. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all know that that I'm, I'm a thin as in kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, that that's another part. I mean, the other thing that you know, the SE guys are very good. They're very good marketing as well. You have a lot of different options. But my thing is, you don't. Re- sometimes you don't need that option. I don't need those serrated. That you know, why would you need a serrated blade on that something like that? I guess you're scuba diving with a 10.95 knife. You know, get out of here. I I just I, there's a lot going on with that that doesn't need to be going on. And it just um, and even with my my uh, Rat Three that I have, I hate that knife now. Actually, Adam, they do offer that knife in a 440C now. Yeah. I know, I know they do. I know they do. But Individuals I mean, that are going to be in the water. But yeah, but I'm talking about the serrated ones on the 1095s. Okay. On a, I don't want this to turn into a bash SE because they do have some good products. But I do have to ask, what's y'all's opinion on uh, the jimping on the spine? I think it's stupid. I'm not a big jimp, jimpy guy anyway. I, I think I. A, the the fact that most of your pressure on the spine of your knife when when you put a finger or a thumb on top of the knife the pressure is in a direction towards the edge not towards the tip which means finger slippage is nil um, so it creates a hot spot on my thumb versus just having a smooth spine that wouldn't create a hot spot and really doesn't give me anything because I'm not stabbing and uh, one of the guys that I mentored with early on, he, 
he made the good argument when uh, when we were I was learning handles, and he said, uh, "If you need jimping, you've designed your handle wrong." <laughs> good point. I, I, I like that. And like that. and you know, guys, Adam, you know for certain uh, because you know before we ever met Dan, I was pushing you towards thinner blades. Yes. And I will say that the flat grind that Essie put on that knife mm-hmm. is the best way for them. I mean, a 3 inch piece of steel on a knife that size, they yeah. did the best they could to be able to use that piece of thick of piece of steel and get fairly good edge geometry. Yeah. The flat grind with the little secondary bevel they have on it, mm-hmm. the knife actually doesn't have a bad grind for cutting it cuts fairly well especially when you put that into a perspective of a knife that can be abused that much Mm -hmm. um so i'm not even mad at them for that well and yeah that's the the way to compensate for a thick blade is a high grind because the longer your grind is the lower the angle is going to be so the more efficiently it'll cut Mm mm-hmm the only downside is you're still having, for deep cuts, you're still having to displace a lot of material. But to Robbie's point, you can use a fairly thick blade and go with a very high flat grind, mm-hmm. and the cutting geometry will still be very efficient. Which, which is exactly why I'm, I'm always kind of, this knife is a sore spot for me, because I feel like they did so doggone much right. Why did they screw that handle up like that? Well, yeah. because they're going with a, you know, they're going for a, a look from a larger knife that they're making smaller. Yeah. And they're they're trying to stay in in the same. I mean, that's that's kind of the that's one of the failures I think of brand knife brands, is you, a K bar a, a K bar has got to look like a K bar, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, you know, a, a SE's got to look like a SE or a Rat's got to look like a Rat, and uh, you get you get stuck in this thinking because just because something looks well larger doesn't mean it's going to work as well when you reduce the size yeah i mean that's but but they want to you know they want to keep that marketed look their branding yeah their branding is not just their logo it's also in their design yeah well and there's a lot of people out there that kept hearing finger troll finger troll finger troll finger troll and then they started repeating finger troll finger troll without really understanding why it works yeah and then they, you hear it enough times, and you start getting the mindset of a good knife has to have a finger chill. You start, you start believing the hype. Yeah, because you because there's a lot of people that they'll hear it, and it may be true, but they, if they don't understand the why of it, then mm-hmm. they start thinking things like a little knife needs a finger choil. Yeah, well, if you if it's a knife, not a sword, and it's metal, and you want me to put my hand on it. Put a handle on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can you guys think of any any knife out there that has a finger choil that's a necessity? I mean, for a, for a small knife like that. For a small knife, no. And I actually, I, I'm going to go ahead and walk out on this limb a little further. I got real mixed feelings about a finger choil on a big knife. On a sword, but not a knife. Yeah, because part of my argument is. If it's a big knife and you need a finger choil to do a small knife job, mm-hmm. use a small knife. And I understand survival. You might only have one knife. 
you can still do the task without the finger toil, but rather than planning on. I still do not understand, Dan, what the benefit of not running your handle that half inch forward. Yeah. I mean, is it because then it would look like the handle's too long and people won't like the way it looks? Uh, that's I, don't, a, I don't get that's the a benefit reason. of not putting handle there. So some of it is the aesthetics. Uh, some of it is weight, balance. Um, I mean, you can come up with a lot of legitimate reasons not to make the handle too big. And that's what it comes down to. If you make the handle full size, then the handle's too big. Um, which, uh, and this is where we start to get into the murky you know, one tool option. Well, if I'm lost in the woods and I only have one knife, which well, I mean, is, I, I a, is, the, a, the one, is a the one thing argument in my standpoint. No, I mean, I look at I look at guys like like Madison Parker, all right, and he's got his he's got his uh, what does he have, Robbie Go, uh, Golock or the Parang, his Parang machete. Yeah, and I mean that guy just uses that Parang for everything, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, but and yes of course, and no. he's of course, got his belt knife. That's, you know that's true. That's true. But I, I've, I've, but I, I've been out, I've been out with him where he's only had that praying and you only use that praying. He doesn't even pull out that belt knife, you know. I, I was gonna say uh, the whole time I was in the jungle, I didn't see a single Indian um, with a um, choil on his machete. Okay. Uh, now one of the differences is kind of like to Robbie's example, the sword, the from the handle forward. Uh, that first half of that machete was never sharpened. Yeah. You know, the, the blade length was for leverage, and they did all their cutting with the tip. And when they wanted to do small cutting, they would grab the knife in the middle of the blade uh, because that wasn't sharpened. Yeah. Um, so, but if you're going to go that standpoint, rather than putting a finger choil on it, just don't sharpen the bottom of the blade. Which, of course, brings you to the question of why do you need that much blade then? But <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, just going to cut Robbie off before he got there. No, you know what? Uh, we're beating a dead horse at this point. <laughs> That's what we, we really are. We really are. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll move on. But I know, guys out there, I want your opinion on it. I mean, and, you know, the knife here, here, here uh, no, again. Only if you agree with me. I don't want to hear your opinion. If you no, disagree. that's all right. But, no, because, it, you know. Like I say all the time, if you find something that – if I don't like something or Robbie doesn't like something and you found it and you bought it and it works for you, well, then you win. You know, that, everybody, Everybody's different. And if it that's works true. for what you're trying to do and that's what you need it to do, then you win. There's nothing to be upset about. If, if I despise a knife mm-hmm. but it works perfectly for you, that's yeah. the right knife for you. That's a great design for you. Yeah. If, something, then, is, if something is stupid and it works, it's not stupid. Right. <laughs> that's, that's the way to put it there, Dan. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. What else do we have here in the old the old show notes, Robbie? Sharing a little video from a friend of ours. Oh yeah, that that was pretty cool, man. I saw it on Facebook when he when he first put it out in the garage and he was clearing it out. But why don't you set it up, man? Well, uh, Skylar got a, a the desire uh, that's Skylar over at Able to Survive to um, refurbish an old axe. He he's got his Wetterlings and his Grand Brooks stuff and you know he he's had the el cheapo axes modern axes and uh he just had a, a hankering to to buy and restore an old axe 
And so he purchased a, a axe head online that had seen better days, rusted up, you know, pretty bad shape, and built his own electrolysis tank mm-hmm. to uh, restore that axe head. And the video shows that process. It's it's very neat. It's pretty cool. Um, Skyler's a that guy, man. He like I would have never thought about doing that. He just like, you know what, I'm going to try something different. And that's actually a pretty damn good skill to have, too, man, to be able to do that. It's, oh, one, of he, the, it's one of the things I love about Skyler is he's always playing, yeah. but he doesn't do it halfway. Oh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's he does it just to be able to do it, but he, he'll look at the correct way to do it, and it's a learning process. It's not always about what comes out at the end for him. Mm-hmm. It's about new skills. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's got belt. He's got a belt sander and rotary sanders and all that kind of stuff in his his shop. But he didn't have an electrolysis tank. So. Yeah. How long did that take him to to uh, treat that axe? I think it took most of the day, to to uh, get that. I took. I mean, I know it was, he was doing it throughout the night. Yeah, I um, think he. Uh, it was overnight. Or was it overnight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he made some interesting points too about like putting your. Uh, uh, your diet uh, is it diodes, the sacrificial rods on multiple sides of whatever you're working on, mm-hmm. um, because if you only put it on one side, it's very inefficient on the far side. Mm. Yeah, so some of the, just the little details that he worked out were were worth paying attention to. You gonna give it a try, Dan? Uh, you know, Jack. Uh, we were at a flea market this weekend, and Jack found a Boy Scout knife from the 1940s. Cool. Uh, so yes, we will be doing a restoration project on an old uh, Boy Scout knife. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Very cool. All right, uh, what's next, Robbie? I know we're going to run short on time here. We've got three things left on the agenda for today: in the news, gear picks, and then a uh, in the under the personal interest, we actually had a listener respond to our request for listener response last week. So. All right. Well, let's do the let's do the the listener response too. We'll go to the yeah. news because we might get we might be, yeah. be dragged into that. We'll do that last. I'm um, doing my gear pick, by the way, one way okay. or the other. Yeah. We'll, right. we'll, let's do the question, then the gear pick, and then the news. All right. So what's the question? Well, our uh, gear our, our question came from. Um, Mr. Andy Fisher over in the UK. Okay. And uh, he, he sent us a very nice email explaining uh, what he's been up to and this and that and the other. But uh, to compress this for time, he said, so this brings us to uh, our invitation to discuss uh, things in a future podcast. He says, we the listeners have the privilege of forming a sense of who you are each week when we talk. And... Uh, we never know who's on the other end of the recording. Mm-hmm. He is increasingly of the opinion that preppers, and he mentions, Adam, that he also hates that word, mm-hmm. uh, and survival bushcraft practitioners place far too little emphasis on their physical resilience and conditioning. Oh, yeah. Functional fitness and exposure to physical and mental discomfort is surely an imp- as important as the equipment we carry and the skills we practice. He would like to hear what we think on the subject, whether loss in the woods or facing a SHTF scenario. How significant do we think 
physical conditioning is and to what degree do you address this in your own training preparation? Uh, you want to you want to start with that, Robbie? Uh, I, I I've already had I already have my thoughts together, but that's up to you. I'm yeah. just going to go stream of conscious here. Okay. Uh, I, I get three separate opinions on this. Um, my initial thought is yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, being in good physical condition is the least expensive, most basic thing that anyone should ever do. I mean, I would argue the least expensive. Yeah, yeah me too. Store. It, it is not. It's yeah, not, all right. It is not cheap in this country to be healthy. That a fair point, but uh, all you need is a pair of running shoes. I know there's exceptions. I'll get to that. But uh, as my judo coach used to say, being strong never hurts. It <laughs> never hurts. You, it won't, good, you can play point. chess, and it doesn't hurt to be strong. Yeah. It, um, it, it hurts to get strong, but that's. Uh, yeah. I don't think he was going for that. Now, as I wholeheartedly agree with him about the importance of being in good condition, especially in a, an emergency situation, mm-hmm. I also acknowledge that I'm 30 pounds overweight, and uh, if it, if I really agreed with him so wholeheartedly, I wouldn't be 30 pounds overweight. Yeah, but the other thing too, Dan, and I'm, I'm and I'm not and I'm not picking on you with this. I'm being I'm being quite literal. You're an athlete, so you've conditioned your body over the last you know 30 years. Where yeah, you're 30 pounds overweight, but you're probably in better shape or could do more than a lot of guys who have never been physically conditioned at all and well, if it ever and if it ever came to it where you where you had to go out in the field for a extended period of time your body would be like oh yeah i remember this and quickly adapt where somebody who's never been conditioned at all would really struggle well and some of that comes to the his he actually made two good points one was physical and one was mental mm-hmm. i have known some guys that were in extraordinary physical shape mm-hmm. but could not handle adversity i mean yep they were beast in the gym but as soon as it got a little hot they were a little bit hungry and there was one more hill to get up they would just break down yeah uh and that's my my lack of physical conditioning is offset by the fact that i have been in so many situations that just suck Mm -hmm. that i can just suck it up and make it through yeah um so your point is right i can i can outperform some guys that are in better shape than me just because I can embrace the suck. Yeah. So you've got to be mentally prepared as whether as well as physically prepared. And all the gear in the world won't offset that, but it's a whole lot more fun to go buy de- gear than it is to to train. <laughs> That's the truth. <clears throat> do you do you want to hit this Robbie or do you want me to Sure. Uh I think one he in his question he makes a a, a statement that's important at least from my perspective functional fitness mm-hmm. yes there's a difference yeah. between functional fitness and well it's kind of like the molly discussion earlier adam anything can be carried too far yes you know you know at, at one point in my life i was in extremely into fitness to the point that i was going literally going to the gym twice a day yeah um that led up to a situation where i got in a fight on the street as a law enforcement officer and almost passed out i looked really great mm-hmm. however i i had a level of fitness to where my body couldn't sustain using all the muscle i had for very long 
on the restricted fat, calorie, everything diet that I was on. Mm -hmm. So I I may have looked like a workhorse, but I couldn't work like one. Musclehead Robbie, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. um, He's a sexy little dude too, man. (laughs) There there is an idea of functional fitness there. I have seen some guys that look grossly overweight. Yeah. Working in a a farm environment who would work you to death. Yep. I mean, they may have looked grossly overweight, but they could pick up a sack of grain that weighed more than I did and could tote it across a 100-acre field. Yep. And do it all day. And, and and be smoking a cigarette and having a conversation at the same time. And, and and you're like, you know, this is insane. I've seen the same thing from roofers who did not look like they were in great condition but could throw two two packets of shingles on, over their shoulder and climb a ladder to yeah. a second-story roof. So don't get the idea that functional fitness is all about form. And to your point, on the functional side, uh, my sh- my new shop is 23 miles from the house. So there may be a, ser- a scenario where I need to force march 23 miles. I don't need to run a marathon. I don't need to sprint it. Uh, I don't need to do it three or four days in a row. I just need to be able to do it once in one day quickly. Well, th- there's also the idea of, uh, you know, he makes the, makes the point between uh, equipment and practicing skills, okay? And I, I think there's a, a line of I, I, a thought there for as it relates to the fitness as well because you can be in really good physical shape and mm-hmm. think that you're a horse and a axe with a two-and-a-half-pound head on it will whip your ass if you're not used to swinging that axe. Yeah. So there's fitness as it relates to the individual jobs you may have to do too. I had a I had a buddy in college that uh, he was a roommate of mine and he was a power lifter. He's a big boy. I mean, had like I call it like the werewolf traps. You know what I mean? Like the traps that go up to his ear. And at that time, I probably I mean I was doing martial arts probably five or six times a week, two to three hours a day. I mean I'm I'm not exaggerating. I'd get up in the morning, go to class, and then I'd go to our school until I worked at like six o'clock that night because I worked nights and I was in uh, cardiovascularly I was in phenomenal shape you know just I could just you know do that stuff for hours and hours and hours and we would go we would go hiking and rock climbing and that guy he was huge he was strong he could pick me up and throw me but we get you know half a mile up the hill and he was sucking air and he wouldn't he wouldn't be able to manipulate his own body weight I mean and that's and that's without packs you know what I mean? We were we were going on you know nature trails up in Cunningham Falls. It wasn't you know, it it wasn't like we were packing thirty pounds of gear out there too. And I was I remember talking to him. I'm like, dude, man, what is you know? You, all you do is work out in the gym. You like you watch everything that you eat. I eat whatever I want to eat. I was probably eating like you know five thousand calories a, a a day at that point. And you know he he was you know going through these periods of starvation and cutting so he can get toned and then and then bulking up uh, throughout the year. And I and I said to him, I was like, dude, what is the point of this, man? I mean, you're just trying to look pretty for yourself. You, you don't even you don't even do anything socially because all you do is work out in the gym. He was um, the equivalent of a finger choil on a small knife. He was. He was. Actually, Adam, and, that's that's how my my chase for fitness started. Yeah. I found myself divorced, bored, sitting in a house with nothing to do, and the lack of something social to do. Uh huh. 
is what made me obsess over the gym. Yeah. Well, it, it it's funny. He ended up getting into later, you know, he joined the military, ended up getting into like CrossFit or something like that. And now he's like a freaking fitness stud. I mean, he's he's not, he's really trimmed down. Like he's not as bulky as he used to be. And now it's all about the functional fitness for him. So, I mean, I guess he, he learned that lesson. But it it is, I I agree with you 100%, Dan. Uh, you you do and you too, Robbie. You gotta you gotta have that that functionality. If you don't, it's kind of you're just pissing in the wind. And you know? to uh, to Robbie's point about the uh, the axe, it's not just the physical endurance to swing the axe. Mm-hmm. If you haven't used one enough, you won't know, you know at what angle is it going to be most efficient. Once it bites, how deep should I move where I'm cutting? Yeah. Do I do I have enough experience to to hit the same spot twice? Well, that, that, that Dan, yeah. he also mentions in his questions about pressure testing and, 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 you know, pushing ourselves to our limits to find, to, so that we can repeat that in a bad situation. Yeah. I personally would argue that rather than see somebody do something sloppy and grunt their way through it, yeah. I would rather see somebody do something in controlled environment 10,000 times until the yeah. action itself becomes so muscle memory ingrained that they can operate on autopilot in a bad situation. You know, military training, especially uh, vehicle crew training, would start in the motor pool where Mm -hmm. it was flat and perfect conditions, and you would drill it until everybody knew their exact job, and then you went to the field with it. Yeah, maybe maybe to test yourself, you you should push your limits. But I don't feel like that should be part of training. No, um, I, I think training should be more about ingraining those actions. You know, you know how to get great with an axe. Swing it a million times. Yeah, cut your own firewood in the backyard. Yeah, you know, you you don't have to go. You don't have to go put yourself in a dangerous situation to build muscle memory and learn experience. Has anybody seen that YouTube video with that barefoot? Axe chick or whatever, it's, whatever she's called. There's I an axe chick on the internet that I've missed. Yes, a barefoot axe chick. Yes. Uh, wait, one. You've got to send links. Uh, I, I don't. I, I will. I don't know. I don't have the video, but just just Google it. And but anyway, she's out there in her bare feet. You know, I I I assume that she is, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but she's got, she's not a very big, young lady, uh, but she's got awesome yeah. skill and she's just doing it man yeah i'm checking it out right now yeah she's 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 on she's on point well andy fisher uh from the uk i really hope that uh we've answered your question and if not well, can i can, can i email. can i throw some some Go suggestions ahead. out there to people absolutely yeah man listen you guys the cardio you know and and the the muscle endurance is probably the most important thing First rule of zombie land, Adam. It is. Uh, Cardio. And, uh, you know, yeah, you want to be strong and everything like that, but, you know, you want to be – there's a difference in strength of being able to sit on a bench and push up 300 pounds than the strength of somebody who's, like, been doing activity using all of their muscles. Like, and and unless you meet somebody like what I'm talking about, it's hard to understand. Uh, Somebody like Master Ken, Robbie. Like, he's he's a little dude. But you look go to his Facebook page and see him like you know, doing uh, freaking calf raises with a freaking a thousand pounds. <laughs> you Man, know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, 
you know, I was into the kettlebell thing at one time. Yeah. And uh, the the funniest thing in the world is to watch some guy who is built like a brick wall mm-hmm. and can bench that 500 pounds. Mm-hmm. Watch him come in and try to move a 25-pound kettlebell around for an hour. Yeah. Oh, he my does. goodness. It's hilarious. Yeah. I'm not sure how comfortable I am with how attractive it is to watch a barefoot woman in a uh, little house in a prairie dress and a button top splitting wood. <laughs> I might have some issues. <laughs> Are you confused, Dan? I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a little uncertain. You'll be all right. But she's got good technique, though, doesn't she? She does. That is really impressive. Yeah. I would, if I did that, I would have maybe six toes. Yeah, I mean, uh, dude, uh, yeah, she's got she's got me beat with with X skills a hundredfold, man. She's yeah, awesome. but Dan, you have six toes on one foot now. <laughs> yeah, I would have cut off the other foot. Uh, I got a funny six toe story, but it's not appropriate for the podcast. <laughs> you want to move on? Let's move on. All right, all right. What else we got, Robbie? Uh, well, first of all, thank you to uh, our, our listener for sending that in. And please, anyone else that has a question, comment, want to talk about an individual piece of gear, anything, it doesn't matter what it is, send us the yeah, send us an email. Uh, we're more than happy to talk about whatever it is that you know is important to you in your outdoor life. In your adventuring. In your adventuring. That's right. What about gear picks, Adam? You want to talk gear picks? Yeah, we didn't get to do my gear pick last week. We got, you know, way off reservation. Uh, but, Robbie, why don't you go first? Because you really want to talk about your gear pick. I'm excited, dude. I really am. Um, I I got into the uh, wool blankets, I guess, a few years back with everybody else. And, you know, that led to alpaca. And you you also, Adam, were into the whole alpaca socks. And Oh, yeah. I'm, w- I'm wearing them right now. Yeah. Well, long story short, our friend Skylar over there at Able to Survive bought an alpaca blanket from a place called Alpaca Warehouse. Mm-hmm. And I was on their website not too long ago surfing and found a alpaca, 100% alpaca wool sweater. Nice. You know, and I'm, I'm really bad for going to swap meets and, and – uh, yard sales anywhere i can find and buying used out uh wool garments because they can be very expensive yeah absolutely 100 percent alpaca wool sweater 32 dollars and 99 cent holy cow can you shoot me that link man um i want one right now sh- it's in the yeah. show notes uh, wait uh, we're, it's going to be a day or two before we post this right yeah okay good i'll have a chance to get mine before everybody else <laughs> well, i actually got one Okay, how was it? And I love it. I'll be wearing it when I come to your house this weekend. Um, it Now, it's not really heavy. It's not a thick, heavy. It's more of a over-your-shirt type. You know, if you're wearing a dress shirt or uh, as a in-between layer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me wearing a dress shirt. That's over, funny. You know, over your T-shirt but under your jacket type thing. Hey, Dan, you, you clean up pretty well for a white boy. Don't don't take that away from yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as a in-between layer or something, you know, to wear in the house when you don't need a coat, mm-hmm. I'm loving it, dude. I'm loving it. The only complaint I have is that it is made in Peru. Yeah. And so there's no, there's a label in it that tells you it came from the alpaca warehouse. 
and what size it is. Mm-hmm. But there's no care instructions written on the label. Probably so cold water, card, cold uh, water, if, air dry. If, yeah, if only there was some sort of device out. where you could just like put questions in, and some worldwide bank of knowledge would answer it. Right, like a Google or something. Oh, that's what we should call it. Yeah, yeah, that might would work. Well, I got the uh, I got the charcoal gray. You know, Dan, if I could punch people over the internet, throat punch. Yeah, you probably be, you probably be the first test of that. I got the dark gray one, guys, but they have them in light gray, reds, greens, blues, you name it. A uh, little something for everybody. But that's my gear pick of the week, my wool, alpaca wool sweater. What you guys got? Dan? Um, mine is basically homemade ice packs. Okay. And I'm a little frustrated that I didn't think of this first. Um, in the video I saw, they used uh, just regular tap water. Mm-hmm. Uh, for mine, I'm using salt water. Okay. But, but it is PVC tubes. You cap one in, uh, let it dry, and then fill it most of the way. Not all the way, but just most of the way up with water and cap it and freeze it. And you can cut them to the length of your cooler so that you can make a – so that they fit nice and neat across the bottom of your cooler. Uh, I'm going to do a couple cut to the dimensions of drink cans so I can – when I put a layer of drink cans down, I can intersperse them among the cans. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's an inexpensive, very durable way to make uh, ice packs. That is hey, pretty Dan, cool, man. Yep. Using the salt water? Yep. How cold do you have to get your freezer before it would actually freeze them to start with? Um, in my very unscientific experience, mm-hmm. uh, given enough time, it will eventually freeze. In a regular home freezer? Correct. Okay. Uh, it'll just – it'll take longer. But okay. – uh, and that obviously has to do with the solution. And Are we talking weeks here or are we just talking like double, you know, instead of it being frozen in a few hours, it's a couple days. Well, you, uh, st- you still need to get down to a certain temperature. If your freezer's not that temperature, it doesn't matter how long it's going to be in there, it's not going to freeze. Yeah, yeah fair point. The question was whether a standard home freezer is even uh, capable. Yeah, no, my, yes, my regular Frigidaire freezer uh, it takes about a day and a half to two days uh, to freeze, but it'll freeze. You notice Dan had to throw in his make. And you know he's really got a, 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 a sub-zero, you know. Walk in. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, that was at the old house. Yeah. Uh, and I, th- I had to throw it in there because Robbie's next question would be, no, what brand is that? <laughs> what setting do you have? Um, his, is that- his walk-in is behind the uh, secret door in the wine cellar. <laughs> That's exactly where it is. Actually, my walk-in is outside. It's twenty freaking degrees outside, people. That's not natural. <laughs> yeah, it is. You got. Yeah, th- this is a uh, this is a pretty cold season already, which I'm pretty shocked about. They're called polar bear tubes in the article there, Dan. Yes, That's interesting. Polar bear tubes. That's kind of cute. I like uh, that. Speaking of behind the freezer door, do y'all want to go there for dinner again this year? Heck yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll uh, I'll call the uh, I'll call the guys at Eleanor and set it up. Yes, call him now. Hang <laughs> <Stay> up. <laughs> well, they got a uh, they got a new f- seafood place too. I don't care the shrimp. They, well, as long as long as next time we go there, we get a a more reputable cab service. Um, yeah. 
Jeez, I, that was a nightmare. <laughs> if that's what it takes, I'm not. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna get a car service. Did we talk week. about that on the podcast? Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. Gosh, I, I, you know what? That's one of those incidences that I wish I had my camera on me, just to record the the comedy of that event. I'm scared. I, if you had started recording, the cabbie would have tried to kill us. Dude, I have my knife ready, man. <laughs> ready to stab that guy if needed to be. What was your your pick, Adam? <laughs> uh, mine was a titanium pocket cleats by Vargo. Uh, very small, compact, comes in a little nylon pouch. They are a little expensive. They're about 70 bucks. Uh, but they, uh, wear, they, they go on and they spread to a wide variety of boots. And it has kind of a nylon strap that goes over the toe and over the laces. Uh, but gives you titanium cleats, basically, uh, if you're walking on ice. Uh, titanium they- alloy construction, compact folding legs, uh, reliable Duraflex fasteners, high-strength nylon webbing. And convenient carrying case. And they uh, do come in three different sizes. So you they do. They do. Get um, the pair that fits you. Uh, they have the medium one is 1.9 ounce. Um, I don't know what the the set the weight of the the large and uh, small are, but you know m- they're going to open five. What is it? Let me see. 5.9 degree length. I'm sorry. 5.9 inch length and 1.8 inch uh, width when they when they open up. Dan, and, that looks like something you may really need where you're living. Yeah, it's it, they're they're pretty cool looking, man. They are pretty cool looking. I may have practiced some uh, yukimi yesterday trying to get to my car. Is that right? Oh I, man, h- how you feeling? You know, I, the reflexes are still there. I tucked my head. I rolled with it. Yeah, the, uh, it, it was entertaining for everyone around me. <laughs> it's just not natural, man. You keep saying that, man. It's okay. Just a little bit of ice. You know what? It, it'll be it'll be gone soon. The winter will be over before you know it, and then you'll be sweating, talking about God. This is horrible. No, well, well, actually, it only from... it only gets to maybe eighty degrees up here, man. I mean, oh yeah, that's the, right. For the three weeks of summer that we have, it's beautiful. <laughs> I guys, I uh, we're about out of time, aren't we? We are. We are about out of time. So has well, anybody got... got anything that uh they wanted to make sure? Didn't you know, get that I. I, I do want to get in this this conversation, and there's some per- personal interest stuff that we have. Uh, the Rambo movie, Last yeah. B- Rambo Five, Last Blood. Uh, maybe that needs to be a separate conversation. We'll save that for next week. Yeah, that'll be a good one. All right, guys. Well, hey, tune in next week and uh, same bad time, same bad channel, and we'll have some more questions. If you do have questions, send them to Robert at at equippedindoor.com or podcast at equippedindoor.com, or you can send one to me, Adam at equippedindoor.com. And Dan at Dan at DogwoodCustomKnives.com. Uh, make sure you guys check out the website. Remember, join today for as little as nine cents a day. You can be a part of the E2E community. Great videos, articles, blogs, and a user uh, atmosphere that is par. It no, it's it's no, it's it's, it's that's no, that's not the word I'm looking for. Um, bar none is that the, is that the term I'm looking for? Bar Ron? none. Yeah. yeah. It's no. it's par. <laughs> no, yeah, it, I've par, never been used better than the way. Yeah. You know, that I've been yeah. used by E2E. <laughs> and uh, we got some, uh, man, I, I'm really happy about the, the folks we got on there thus far and the uh, content that they're providing to one another, the information. It, it's just awesome, really exciting. And I'm seeing some uh, very good uh, forum entries and some people doing they're starting to do their own little mini articles and blogs. Good stuff. So, guys, check that out as well. 
like I said before, nine cents a day. I think if you pay annually, it's like eight ninety nine. It helps support us so we can go do some uh, all these adventures and, and share them with you in educational type videos, gear reviews, and uh, go to events like Shot Show and Blade Show and all other stuff to bring you guys kind of cutting edge news of what's going on in the community. And uh, thanks again. Anything else before we roll out, guys? See y'all same time, same place. That's right. You guys take care. Be safe. Remember, if you're not always prepared, you're never prepared. Thanks.